Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Us in this season, I want you to watch this video, and Ryan's going to bring the message. Good morning, everybody. My name is uh, Ryan Wright. I'm, I'm the Discipleship and Connections Pastor here at The Valley. Well, we're doing this series on classic Christmas, and I don't know what Christmas was like for you growing up, but, but here's what it was like for me. Um, it was a time where it was easy kind of just to be joyous and to celebrate and to be thankful for um, all the things that I had. So both of my parents, I grew up in Marion, Ohio, not too far from here, and both of them worked incredibly, incredibly hard to make sure that we had um, a much better life than what they had had growing up. And so when I woke up on Christmas morning, there were always presents underneath the tree. Uh, my family was always there. We had good food and laughter and good times, watched Christmas movies. We did all the things that you would think of when you think about a classic Christmas. But then at 16, I made a decision to follow Christ and uh, Christmas all of a sudden had not just the, the joy of just family and gifts, but also just the joy and, and praise of, of getting to know Jesus. I wasn't super spiritually mature yet, but one thing that I did do is I got up early in the morning and I remember reading the Christmas story and I didn't understand it all. I think most of our kids here probably would have a better understanding than I did at 16 and 17, but I remember reading the Christmas story and just all of a sudden knowing that there was something deeper going on in my life in Christ and it was easy to be to be happy, to be excited, to praise God for what he was doing in my life. But man, a lot of us know what it's like to have a Christmas where the last thing you wanna do is to celebrate. The last thing you wanna do is to praise God because sometimes Christmases can be really, really hard. And I, I learned that when I was about 23 years old. So my dad, um, who'd been a Marine, he was always healthy um, for a good chunk of my life. And then my senior year of college, he began to get sick he began to get really sick. He had diabetes for about 20 years that was undiagnosed. Um, and by the time we found out, he had had a couple mini strokes, he had had uh, uh, some heart issues, and all of a sudden, um, my dad's health really started to decline really, really quickly. Um, I was 23 years old, I was getting my master's, and my dad, in his early 50s to mid 50s, was actually in a long-term care facility. It's hard for me even now to say nursing home, but that's essentially, my dad was in a nursing home in his 50s. And I remember one Christmas, we had a surprise that the people at the nursing home said, hey, your dad's doing a little bit better. We're gonna, we can bring him home for Christmas if you want him home for Christmas. And I thought that was amazing. And, and they brought the ambulance and they brought uh, my dad in, they brought a bed in and he laid in bed and we had Christmas kind of like, you know, uh, what was normal, I guess, or at least that's what we tried to pretend. And we had the presents, we opened them up, and um, we did the food, and it felt, 
in many ways like old times. I still remember my dog, which was my dad's favorite, just laying next to them the entire time he was there. Well, after a couple hours, the Christmas stuff was over and the ambulance came back and, and took my dad. And I remember as soon as I saw the ambulance go down the street, I looked at the rest of my family and we had been all smiles all morning. Um, we just all started to cry. And I don't know, we never talked about it, but I always you know, wonder like, okay, why did we all start crying at the same time? And I think for us, at least for me, um, I really thought that was gonna be the last Christmas um, I would ever see my dad. And I was right, it was. He passed away in February of 2006. And I had been a Christian at that point for five or six years, but I just remember so much crying out to God, being like, God, why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow this thing to go on in my life? I, I was in school to become a pastor. I'm like, God, I'm serving you. I gave up everything to follow you. I wanted a, a career with like lots of money and fancy cars. And, and God, I'm giving it all up. Why are you allowing my dad to get sick? And, and all of a sudden it became really, really, really hard to praise God. It became hard to be excited about what he's doing. But this morning, I wanna look at scripture and what I think where I've come is to a place of understanding that no matter what is going on in our lives, we can praise God. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It's not, it doesn't mean that there's not tears and sadness and lament and pain in the Christian life. We know there is. But at the same time, we can praise God for who he is. And, and one of the places we find that is in Luke chapter one. So turn with me to Luke chapter one. We're gonna read a good amount of scripture today. So I want you to kind of take a minute to get yourself just ready to read the scriptures, to focus in on them. So whether, whatever helps you best, we have Bibles in the back. The scripture will be on the screen as well and you can find it on your phone. This is Luke chapter one, verse 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom there, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was, called, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it to be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. When we think of Mary, we normally think of like, you know, her and Joseph sitting, you know, side by side peacefully and the angels and the stars. And we kind of think of all the different elements of the Christmas story all together. But at this point, it says that Mary's first thought was to be disturbed. This could not have been easy for Mary. She was probably around 14 to 16 years old. And so being told that you're going to be pregnant out of wedlock was, was an incredibly challenging experience back then. 
You see, not being married, Mary could have been uh, at, at the worst stoned to death, but at the very, very least, as, a, as pregnant out of wedlock in the first century Jewish world, she could have at the very least been ostracized from friends and family and borne the shame of that for the rest of her life. Mary also, uh, we read in Matthew's gospel that Joseph, and they would have grown up together most likely in Nazareth. They would have known each other their whole lives. Joseph in Matthew, we read that he was thinking of actually ending the engagement. Um, And so Mary was at a place where she could maybe lose everything. God also told Mary that her son would be the Messiah. And if you don't know what that term means, it was essentially the Jews um, had looked at the Old Testament and God promised to send them a king and a ruler whose reign would endure forever. The problem with that is the Romans were in charge. And if you know anything about history, the Romans didn't like people trying to take their kingdom away. In fact, people who claimed to be the Jewish Messiah prior to and after Jesus, often the Roman government killed them, sometimes their friends, sometimes their family. Mary was in a very, very dangerous situation. So when Mary hears the news, the next thing she actually does in Luke chapter one, and we won't read the scripture, but I'll summarize it for you, is that she goes to maybe the only person who can kind of sort of understand what she's going through. She actually goes to her relative's Elizabeth's house, 50 to 60 miles away, and goes to see her because Elizabeth is 88 years old and pregnant, and this is, she's one person that could maybe sort of understand what Mary's going through. When Elizabeth sees Mary, the the baby inside Elizabeth moves in the womb, and Elizabeth all of a sudden starts speaking on behalf of God, telling Mary, yes, all these things are going to happen. Mary, you are going to be blessed. What God has told you is going to happen is going to come true. Put yourself in Mary's shoes for a second, and what would you be thinking? Pregnant, out of wedlock. I don't know if you've ever been pregnant and tried to walk, but a 50 to 60 mile journey did not seem fun, does not seem fun to me. But in the midst of all that, in the midst of Mary's probably fear, anxiety, I mean, she was human after all. In the midst of all that, we read next that Mary sings a song of praise. Despite what's going on in her life, Mary takes this moment and decides to celebrate who God is. So let me read this passage, Luke 1, 46 through 56. And this is our main passage for this morning. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his memory, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. In spite of these challenging circumstances, Mary decided to praise God. This song is actually oftentimes called the Magnificat, which is Latin for my soul magnifies. It's actually just the first line in this passage, my soul magnifies. I've used the word a couple of times, but this idea of praising God is essentially thanking God for what he's done and who he is. Praise is either sung or spoken, a celebration of who God is and what he's doing. And when I thought about this being called the Magnificat and it meaning my soul magnifies, um, somebody this week mentioned to me it's kind of like 
a magnifying glass. Now, if you're watching online, this is a giant magnifying glass. I'm not actually that small, just so you know, just so you know. But when you use a magnifying glass, it's like you take something that's already there and you make it bigger. But that's not actually what's happening, right? When I use the magnifying glass on my hand or on you guys, you look great, by the way. Um, when you use a magnifying glass, I'm actually not making anything bigger. I'm actually just seeing it more clearly, right? Instead of really distorting at its best, a magnifying glass just shows you what was already there. When we praise God, when we celebrate him, we're not making stuff up about God. We're not making God bigger than he is. We're actually just trying to see him for who he is. If I were Mary, I would have been tempted to look at my problems. I would have tended, I would have been tempted to just talk about, I don't want my, I don't want Joseph to leave me. I would have been tempted to say, I don't want this to happen. I don't want people in town to look at me like this. God, why are you doing this to me? Couldn't you have chosen somebody else? Like I, I, I think I would have taken my magnifying glass and focused on the problem, but instead Mary focuses on God. Praise magnifies God and in turn produces joy in our lives. And Mary, what I love about this is that she looked at God to understand her circumstances. She did not look at her circumstances to understand God. So many times when things go wrong in our life and we're experiencing pain, we're tempted to look at God and like in my situation say, God, why are you allowing this to happen to my dad? Why is this going on? You obviously don't love me. You obviously don't care about me. But Mary does something that is so much more beautiful and I think really, really leads to life and flourishing in your heart. And so this morning, we're gonna look at some of the things Mary praises God for. And I want you to think of the problems you're facing, the challenges you're facing, or maybe what your friends or coworkers are going through. And I want you with me. We're gonna put a magnifying glass on God. And then we're gonna, once we understand who God is, maybe we'll look at our problems and our pain in a different light. So I have a little help as I talk about these attributes of God, as I talk about what Mary's praising God for, you have notes in front of you on your chair. If there's not one right in front of you, there's plenty around the room, so, so go grab one. You can also find it on the Valley app. If you need to get up from your seat to go grab one, there's plenty on chairs, feel free to do so. But I'm gonna challenge you like I've done here is as I talk to actually journal and, and take time to praise God, and I'll, I'll lead you through this, but keep this in a pen handy. They're on the backs of your seats. So the first thing Mary says is Mary praises God as her Savior. When we use the word Savior, we tend to think of God saving us from our sins, but in Scripture, it actually means so much more than that. In the Old Testament, when it used the word Savior, it often would talk about God rescuing his people from slavery, from oppression, from famine, from sickness, from disease, from all kinds of things in life. And so when you think about God, and on your sheet here it says, God has rescued me from. Man, I want you to write some of the things God has rescued you from. But just like Mary and the Jewish people often did, they not only praised God for what he already had rescued him from, they would praise God for the things that they were waiting for him to rescue him from because they knew that ultimately in this life or the next, that when God, God will ultimately decide to rescue and save all of those who have put their trust and hope in him. So take some time and journal right now. So I mentioned earlier that when I was 16, I made a decision to follow Christ. And God not only rescued me from sins in my life, he also began to rescue me from depression, from anxiety, from loneliness, things that I still sometimes struggle with but never like I did back then. 
And, and, I re, and, I re, and my dad started to notice and my parents started to notice what God was doing in my life. And when I accepted Christ, uh, my family didn't attend church. My mom had been raised in the church, but it experienced kind of the worst the church had to offer. And so she kind of uh, split ways with the church and, and hadn't been back because of the hurt and pain. And my dad uh, was raised uh, a little bit Catholic, but then he didn't attend church. And by the time I was being raised, he had told me he was an agnostic and didn't really know if we could know for sure whether there's a God or not. And so when I started going to church, it was a new thing. And I felt through my youth pastor, he was telling me that I should tell my family about Christ. And so I was, uh, unfortunately, I'd only been a Christian for six months and I hadn't learned not to listen to my pastor yet. Um, so I just, I just did what he said. And um, so I went home and started telling my dad about Christ. But you have to understand, uh, I was not a public speaker at that time. I was really, really shy. And those of you who know me are like, wow, God's done something mighty in your life. But, but the reality is, is I had no idea how to share, so I just took any opportunity. I remember one time, me and my dad were going to the movies, and he's like, hey, can you open the car doors? And I'm like, yes, dad, but only Jesus can open the car door to heaven. You know, like, that's, that's, that's how, like, lame and silly I was. I had no idea what I was doing, but I just kept trying. And as I talked about how God had saved me from my sins, but my loneliness and, and, and my depression, um, I just kept talking and hoped that my dad was listening. Mary also praised God because he was mindful. It's important for us to understand that God is always paying attention, that he always cares. I think when we go through suffering and hardship and when we see what's going on in the world today, it's easy to ask ourselves, God, where are you? Why did you allow this to happen when we know you could have the power to stop it? Mary doesn't answer all of those questions, but what she does say is that God is mindful and he cares. No matter what you're going through, God knows. So in your journaling there, I want you to write down God knows and cares that I am going through and just finish that sentence. What's the thing that you or somebody is going through that you can be so thankful that God is mindful of, that he knows what's going on? Well, I started telling my dad about Christ all the time. And as a teenager, I made lots of mistakes. Um, I don't want to excuse sin, but there were times I remember as a Christian, I did things I shouldn't have done, and my parents saw that, and it wasn't always a great witness. My life wasn't always matching up to my words. I remember times when I disrespected my dad and did things that hurt him and my mom as well, and I remember with my dad, um, I knew that as a Christian, I needed to ask his forgiveness when I did something wrong, but I, I, I didn't talk about my feelings, not my parents' fault, mine. I didn't really tell them oftentimes what was going on in my heart. And so I did the only thing I knew how to do, and I literally just would write it on a sheet of paper. I would tell my dad, hey, dad, I did this, and as a follower of Jesus, I shouldn't have done this, that, and the other thing. I would literally fold it up like a note, and I would put it on my dad's dresser and then just walk away, and we'd never talk about it. But I put it right by his key, so I know he got it, I know he read it, and, and that's what I did. And I hoped that God was using that. And then one day, my dad, he, he asked me to go into his bedroom and talk to him. And, and so I went into my dad's bedroom and he said, hey, Ryan, I can see the change that God is doing in your life. And I'm really glad that you're going to church. And him and my mom always drove me to church. They always paid for every youth event. They were incredibly supportive of me going to church. And my dad said, that will, that'll continue. We'll keep doing that. And we're so glad that this feels right for you. And I see that you're happier than you've been in a long time. But then my dad said to me, I want you to know I will never follow Jesus. I'll never become a Christian. That's not gonna be for me. And I gotta tell you in that moment, I felt like a pretty big failure. I went to my youth pastor and told him about it and he said, you know what, Ryan, I think you've said what you can say. Here's what I want you to do from now on. Every single night I want you to pray for your dad 
that he would come to know Christ. And I was like, okay, check. And I was kind of probably like, what's prayer? Like I didn't, I was so young in Christ, I didn't know any of this stuff. So every night, probably in like the two minutes, I would lay down, go to bed, and I would all of a sudden just start, just start asking like God, God, could you help my dad come to know you? And I did that for years. I love what Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18 says. It says this, Though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of olive fails and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. What I love about this passage, it says, God, even though things are not going well in my life, I am going to take my magnifying glass and instead of just looking at the problem all the time and thinking you're small because I'm not looking over there, God, I am going to look at you. I'm gonna see how big, how great you already are and talk about it and praise you. Be not because you need to know how awesome you are. God already knows, but because my heart is fickle and I need to continually remind myself who God is. And so I started doing that with my dad. I started praying every single night. And no matter how sad you get, no matter how much you're hurting, you can do that. And Mary praised God, and I love how these two go together. Mary praised God for being mighty. God is mindful, but he's also mighty. Mary was very aware that even in times when it seems like things are hard, it seems like there's nothing but pain, God can still step in and do something powerful and amazing. So one of the things about my dad is that he pretty much worked life like clockwork. If work started at eight o'clock, he was not there at 7.59, he was there at eight o'clock, not 8.01. Like he was like clockwork. He came home the same exact time every day. It was like our garage door was on an automatic timer. They didn't have those yet. So like it, it would just open every day at like five. And I remember one time um, my dad was like 10 or 15 minutes late, which never, ever happened. He was like an executive and, and there wasn't, there's only so many people that could make him, you know, stay at work, right? And so I remember like, he's not home. And I felt kind of this, and I didn't even know what I was feeling at the time. I just kind of felt like something was wrong in my heart. And so I started to pray for my dad and I said, God, I feel like my dad's in trouble. Could you just, could you help him? Could you be with him? And my dad was home late that day, about 30 minutes, which was incredibly unusual at the time. I'm praying and I remember we had this tri-level house and as my dad came in through the garage, which was on the bottom level, I was on the top of the stairs and I said, Dad, is everything okay? I felt really weird and I was praying for you. And my dad looked at me and said, my dad who told me he would never believe, looked at me and said, I think God might have used you to save my life. My dad started to t continue to tell me the, a story of how there was a, a truck driver who lost control and the truck came so close to his car, he couldn't even, like he's like, I mean, there couldn't have been room for a piece of paper in between our two vehicles. And everybody ended up, I think, being okay, but, but traffic slowed down and my dad was so shaken up that he pulled off to a gas station to kind of just take some time to calm down. And I remember thinking, this is the moment when my dad's gonna know God is real and, and, and nothing happened. My dad didn't start go to church, I just kept praying. But in that way and in so many other ways, I have learned in my life that God is mighty. 
You may not have something exactly like that, and that's not an everyday occurrence for me uh, by no means, but there are weekly occurrences where I see that God is mighty and doing things in my life. I was the kid in high school who never got good grades. It wasn't because I was dumb, but I was, I was pretty lazy. And when I started going to college and my, my master's degree for ministry, God gave me a passion for learning that I use to this day, and it wasn't something I had before that. I was never the kind of kid who liked to learn. I just would run around like a crazy maniac all the time. So some of you can see that in me now, but like the reality is all of a sudden God birthed something new in me. So there's somewhere in your life that God is mighty. For some of you today, you may not even believe in Christ, but you could look back over your weeks, months, and years and see somewhere where something happened that was unexplainable, something that was amazing, something that was good. And I would challenge you to start asking the question, is that maybe God? Mary also praised God for bringing down the proud. And this isn't something we really talk about too much in the church. Um, this, this, uh, this Magnificat says some interesting things. In just a couple of verses, if you look there, it says that God scatters the proud, he brings down rulers, and he sends the rich away hungry. Pastor Andy mentioned that we're selling church merch this Sunday. Here's a picture of our sweatshirts. I have one of these, they're really cool. But just imagine if we actually tried to put this Bible verse on a t-shirt. It would look like this. We are the valley, scattering the proud, deposing rulers, and starving the rich since 1994, right? Like it, this is not something you would tend to put on a t-shirt, but what does this actually mean? Because if you look in the gospels, it's often the rich, the powerful, and the religious leaders who are the first to turn away from Jesus. And it's very, very often the, the poor and the outcasts that run to him. And is it that God only loves one type of people? Absolutely not. It's that for those of us who are religious leaders, those of us who have money, those of us who have power, a high position, or a place of authority, it's very, very easy to think that we don't need God. It's very, very easy. But for those of us who have gone through a circumstance or a time where we realized that we were not in control, for most of us, that's the point where we started, stopped following ourselves and started following God. So it was my um, senior year of high school and my dad lost his job. He had been at the same company for 24 years. And he lost his job, got another one, and it took a long time. And, and then he got another job, and then that one, within a year, was gone as well. And it was a really, really challenging time for me and my family. My dad didn't do anything wrong. His company was bought out one time. The other time, the company uh, went under. And so neither of those times did he lose because of something bad or wrong he had done. I think my dad was a great employee. But in that time, that second time, my dad came to me and said, Ryan, can you maybe pray to God and just ask him um, to help me find a job? And so I began praying for my dad all the time, and it, and it went on for months and months and months. And then one day I was home. It was my freshman year of college. I'm home for Christmas break. And my dad said to me, hey, Ryan, you don't need to thank God anymore. I just got word that, or you don't need to pray to God anymore about it. I just got my job. So stop asking him for a job. And if you could, please just pray and thank God for the job. And I looked at my dad and I said, yeah, absolutely, dad, I can do that. Do you want to pray with me? And he said, yeah, absolutely, let's do that. And so me and my dad walked up to his bedroom, the same exact place where he told me he would never follow Christ. And I prayed a very simple prayer. It was something to the effect of, God, thank you for the job. Um, thank you for the job and, and thanks for helping my family out. Amen. And then I looked at my dad and was like, okay, dad, your turn. 
and I kind of, you know, close my eyes because if you open your eyes during prayer, I think you're bad. I, I don't know. I don't know why, but I remember closing my eyes, right? And, uh, and I closed my eyes, and I remember my dad uh, started praying. He said, God, thanks for providing for my family. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for this new job. I'm really excited. And then all of a sudden, my dad started to cry. You have to understand, my dad was a Marine. They don't cry, they make other people cry, right? Like, that's the whole M.O. I literally, at that point, I did open my eyes because I'm like, is this still my dad? Uh, my dad starts crying, and he says, God, I'm so sorry I've doubted you. I'm so sorry I haven't believed in you. I love you, and I want to follow you. Please forgive my sins. And I got to tell you guys, I was so, so happy I was so excited. I was so filled with joy. And for the next year, probably, there were times where I just remember like welling up with tears and people would ask me like, hey, what's going on, dude? And I remember just telling them like, I'm just really happy that my dad accepted Christ. And it was like months later. Um, and man, I gotta tell you, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was a huge time of lament in my life when my dad got sick. And still to this day, there are times when I am sad and I grieve. That is a part of the Christian life. You can find places in scripture where God's heart is grieved. You can find places in scripture where Jesus wept. But I, I, in those moments, even though there's pain, am I still sad about it? Absolutely. I'm 39 years old. You never stop missing your dad. You never do. Was I, my dad wasn't there when I got married. My dad uh, wasn't there when my kids were born. He missed so much um, of my life. And yet as sad as that is, I can put the magnifying glass on that or I can put the magnifying glass on God. And I can praise him for being my savior. I can praise him for being mindful. I can praise him for who he's been in my life because when I look at God, I not only see the pain and the hurt, but I also see his work. I may not see my dad right now, but I know because my dad believed in Christ, I will see him again. We believe as followers of Christ that those who die are with Jesus right now and that there someday will be a resurrection where those who put their trust in Jesus will live in a renewed heavens and earth. And my kids will get to run with my dad. They'll get to play with my dad. I will get to hug him again. The funeral was not the last time I'm gonna see him. And that is something I can very much praise God for. So what do I want you to do with all this? I want you to make a decision to trust in Jesus again. A lot of times when we talk about putting trust in Jesus, we talk about it as a one-time thing, but at least in my life, it has been something I have to do weekly, if not daily. As life beats me up, as I get my eyes off God and onto my problems, so many times I have been tempted to just focus on my pain and not my praise. And so what I wanna invite you to do again, whether your first time or last time, all those things we talked about, God, Mary saying God was her savior, mighty, mindful, we see all those things most fully in Jesus. If you wanna talk about putting a magnifying glass on God, that is exactly what Jesus came to do. We see God's love, we see his patience, we see his mercy in him, and as followers of Christ, we want to once again come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust you. No matter what tomorrow looks like, you are my savior and I will praise you. But man, I know in a crowd this large and online, there are some of you who have not made a decision to trust in Christ yet. We have people at this church with orange lanyards on, the First Impressions team. If you would like to talk to one of them or me or one of our pastors about making a decision to follow Christ, 
man, we want you to do that today. We would love to talk to you about that. No pressure to receive him today, but we are gonna tell you how awesome Jesus is and how he cares about you. But if you are here today and you don't believe in Christ, we want you to know at the valley, man, we're not, we're, we want this to be a place where you can ask your questions. We want this to be a place where you follow Jesus, not out of just emotions, certainly not out of peer pressure. We don't want you to follow Jesus because it makes a cool social media post. You know, I accepted Jesus today, hashtag conversion. That's not what we want for you. We want you to follow Jesus because he is true and good and beautiful. And so if you're here and you have nothing but questions today about God and life, we have something specifically for you. We have this thing called Alpha, led by our lead pastor, Pastor Andy. And on January 19th, people are gonna meet at this church along with some of our other life groups, and they're gonna explore the big questions. You don't have to believe to come to this. In fact, man, this is specifically for people who, who haven't started to believe in Jesus yet, people who are somewhere in the middle and have tons of questions, but it's also for those um, who are new to their faith and exploring what does it mean to follow Jesus. And so even this morning as you leave or online, you can sign up in the atrium. Pastor Andy will be at a table that you'll see a sign for Alpha Group. But the other thing I want you to do today is I wanna give you a chance to grab your magnifying glass and look at who God really is. So on this paper, there's two more questions I haven't mentioned yet, and these are what I use. So right now, take time to journal. As, I, as, I, as we go move towards closing, look at what is one word or phrase that you would use to describe God. If you're online, man, we have all this up on the app, but even just at home, you can remember that. What's one thing that's true about God? I mentioned a bunch today, Savior, mindful, but maybe you're thinking about how God is your provider. Maybe today you're thinking about how God is your healer. Maybe today you're thinking about how God is your hope. And then that second question there is what's one good thing God has done in your life this week? And what I want you to do is I want you to write on this something good God has done in your life this week. For example, I talked about how God really led me to spend a little bit more time with my kids this week. And I don't have time to tell the whole story, but there was really good things about me just following God obediently and his call to do that. And so take time to write something down on this. And what I'm gonna do is I wanna challenge you to share this, talk about this with your family. But man, as we close today, you can praise God alone. You can praise him with music. You can praise him with your words, but you can also praise God corporately. And so we're gonna do something weird and unconventional today, but in first service, it was absolutely amazing. So no pressure, no pressure. But what I want you to do is when I say go, we're gonna do this. The last slide there says, find someone, share a praise with God and repeat. So I'm gonna go up to one of you and man, all you have to do is follow this outline. If you didn't take notes yet, there's probably one thing on here that God brought to your mind. And I just want you to share one thing. You might go up to somebody and just say, hey, this week, God is my healer. And you might share how, but you may not even share how. You may just say, God's my healer. And I'm really thankful for that. Then you're gonna go over to another person. And if you don't know him, it's okay. You're just gonna go over to them and say, hey, God is mighty. Here's what he's done in my week that's been mighty. This worked out at work when it couldn't have. I was praying about this and God answered it. Then you're gonna go to another person. We're gonna spend two or three minutes praising God for who he is. And I understand that some of you, if you didn't take notes, you feel like it was final exam time and you didn't study and you're gonna fail, but it's gonna be okay. Here's what I got for you. And if you're new, we don't wanna pressure you to make something up. We don't want anybody here today to feel like I'm asking you to lie. But if you're new or still processing, it's okay to say, 
I'm not ready to share yet, but I'm happy to listen. And you can just let the other person share. But what if two people come and both of them look at each other, nobody has anything to share, the room explodes. No, then you go find a third person. I am convinced that in a room with this many people, we can find somebody other than me who has something they can praise God for. And so when I say go, I want you to go around the room, share a praise, keep going. We're gonna give you two or three minutes to do that. And I'm gonna come up here and close for prayer. So when I say ready, set, praise, you're gonna stand up and we're gonna do it. Um, And if you're scared, I am so sorry. But like I said, you can just say, I'm listening. And that's all I'm doing today. That's okay. But man, you're gonna meet somebody today that you've never met before. And they're gonna share something about God and it's gonna warm your heart. And so everybody, let's stand up, praise God, and repeat. Go ahead, right now. If you're at home or online, just go and do that with your family right now. Call your mother, call your mother-in-law, tell them. I'm gonna pray us to close. I'm gonna pray us to close and you can keep talking, but I'm gonna make you aware that 
We have cookies in the atrium, and then I have a special announcement after I pray, so let me pray. Father God, I hear right now the noise of your people praising you, and it's such a good noise. God, I don't know how the people in this room feel about it, but Lord, I know how you feel about it. And so God, fill us up. May our praise be contagious in our community, um, in our homes, not because we're denying reality, but because we're engaging with you, God, in a deeper way. You are what's real and what's true. And so as we praise you, God, I ask that you would unify us as a church, that you would help us to let this be a first step and not a last step. As we praise you, God, I pray that, man, even tonight as a family, we put on the Christmas music and we just rock out to your glory in your name. And so God, as we go forth, let us be a people who praise. There's, there's pain and there's hurt and there's suffering, but that doesn't have to stop our praise. May, may we magnify you with our praise and see you for who you truly are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hey guys, real quick, we're gonna, the band's gonna keep playing, but we do need your help either before you, after you grab a Christmas cookie. We need to stack chairs. We have an event going on called Mercy Street. There's gonna be 300 or more women here to hear about Jesus. Stack the chairs seven high and we're gonna bring in tables. So just stack them seven high, help us bring in tables. If you have questions, find Pastor Peter uh, or Pastor Andy. Thank you guys. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.